1: Welcome, Irish Breakdown listeners. This is the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour coming to you live on a Monday with my man Sean Davis, recruiting analyst here at IrishBreakdown.com. Of course, I am Ryan Roberts, the director of recruiting here on the site. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. We have a really, really fun show. If you join us for any of our recruiting hours from the past, you know at some point we'll be talking about some of the Notre Dame commits in action. We'll hit that today. We'll also talk a little bit about the recruiting reactions to this past weekend's Shamrock series victory. Over the BYU Cougars, big 28-20 to victory. That honestly should have been a lot more, if we're being completely honest. And, of course, we'll also preview a little bit Stanford this weekend. Big home game. The recruiting list is beginning to expand. You should expect guys on campus like Jeremiah Love, 2023 running back. Brandon Hillman, 2023 athlete out of the state of Virginia. Ryan Wingo, 2024 five-star wide receiver out of the St. Louis area is also Going to be in attendance. So we have a star-studded show for you today. Going to talk a lot of Notre Dame football. If you missed us last night, me and Brian were supposed to do the Beyond Further Review show Sunday night. Unfortunately, we just got the film this morning. So we're going to be breaking down the coach's film for the rest of the day after we get off the podcast. And me and Brian Driscoll will be live tonight around 7 or 8 o'clock. I forget which one it is. But that's why you should keep uh, kind of your eyes peeled to us on Twitter. Also sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com. If you want to follow along with our – we had our initial reactions after the game, Sean, but now we're going to give a little more in-depth, offensively, defensively, what are some of the things we saw, and then we're going to move starting tomorrow onto the Stanford Cardinal, which will be a big game.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform – That use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a seventy five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Bluewire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Bluewire, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love. Fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule and you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrow's. Every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish. If you
1: all have looked at the title of today's show, we have a very special guest on today, Sean. This is a really fun one, man, because I had the opportunity to talk a little bit over Twitter to Bertrand Barry a couple days ago, man. And I, I was honestly like, we were just talking before the show a little bit. I felt like I was a kid in the candy store for a second, man, because I'm like, I remember Bertrand like 14 and a half sacks, I think in 2004 for the Arizona Cardinals. I remember yeah. him as just this phenomenal player. And of course he was, you know, at the, at the tail end of the Lou Holtz era as well. So he experienced the best of Notre Dame football. He yeah. experienced a long, great 12 year career in the NFL And I'm just excited to get them on, man. We're going to talk. So this is kind of what we're doing here, right? I'm starting a series that's called Recruits of the Past, where I'm going to kind of talk about some of past Notre Dame legends and greats, talk to them about their recruiting process, what it was like for them, visit structures, who they were interested in, why it was Notre Dame, all that good stuff. And we're going to kind of compare and contrast it to what it was then to what it's like now because we know the recruiting world has seriously changed over the last couple of years specifically especially so yeah. going to get uh, Bertrand's perspective going to kind of talk about how it compares to today how it's a lot different than today and of course we're coming off a big victory so I might start us off by just talking Notre Dame football here for a couple of seconds so what a welcome to Notre Dame and IB Nation Mr. Bertrand Barry. again 12-year NFL veteran pro bowler for the Arizona Cardinals. Bertrand, again, man, and Notre Dame legend. Can't forget that. You're on a Notre Dame channel. Appreciate you, brother, for coming on today. We're really excited to have you.
3: I appreciate you guys having me, man. This is fun.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. So every Notre Dame fan, if you remember Bertrand, start throwing it in the chat. Hit that like button. Obviously, great player from 1993 to 1996 for Notre Dame. You were obviously then drafted in the third round by Indianapolis Colts, and he spent, again, 12 years in the NFL, Bertrand. So I guess my, my first and foremost conversation, man, is before we get into the recruiting background and all that good stuff from back in the day, talk to me a little bit about the state of Notre Dame football right now, man. I know before we started, you were talking about, you know, big victory over BYU, Marcus Freeman's first win over a ranked over a ranked opponent during his tenure so far. Just how excited are you for this next era of Notre Dame football?
3: I'm extremely excited, and I look at at what he's able to do. And, and Coach Freeman is a very unique type of coach in that we hadn't seen a coach like that at Notre Dame, a, a guy that's young, a guy that's energetic, and a guy that, that brings a lot of enthusiasm that can really relate to the players because he's a lot closer to them in age-wise. So I think for the players that are coming in, they see Coach you know, Coach Freeman, and they say to themselves, okay, this is a guy that's a lot like me. He kind of likes some of the things that I like. Yes, he's older, but he's still young enough to be able to relate to, to how I talk, uh, how I wear my clothes, and he's a, he was a player in, the, in, the, in college, so he understands the grind that it is to be a, a, a student athlete, if you will. Uh, I, I say that loosely these days, but uh, the fact that he has worn those shoes that the current players wear now I think that goes a long way in, in in their interest in playing for Marcus
2: Freeman.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that's really well said. I mean, the, the relatability, kind of the the aura that Coach Freeman has around him. You know, it's just such an attractive viewpoint right now, which I'm excited to see how it continues to trend. Cause like we said, we just got the first ranked win under the Marcus Freeman era, exciting times, obviously Bertram, but I want to take you back now to the, uh, to recruiting background a little bit, man. I know you're a Texas guy originally. So for people that don't know that didn't follow you, maybe, or didn't see you play at Notre Dame, you, I think you played like, almost exclusively linebacker, right? Like you weren't really an edge guy on the on the college level. And then obviously you transitioned to a great defensive end during your career in the NFL. So can you talk to me, Bertrand, just, I, I guess, briefly, man, because I'm really interested to hear your viewpoint of your recruiting process specifically. What was it like coming out of high school back then? How chaotic was it? And maybe just a little bit of some of the other teams aside from Notre Dame that were coming after you hard.
3: Well, the first thing about my recruiting experience pretty unique because I was a high school running back. I didn't really play a lot of defense until I decided to go to school. And And I remember Coach Mentor, who was then the defensive coordinator, asking me, uh, did you want to play? What what, it, what side of the ball did you want to play on? And I said, well, you know, it's better to give than to receive. So I think I'll go defense. And from then on, they recruited me as a defense player and really ramped it up because I believe they saw a future for me as a defensive player. So uh, that was the biggest thing, just getting used to the, having that mindset and the mentality of a defensive player for a, you know for an entire season. And yes, I was primarily a linebacker uh, my first couple years. Uh, when I got to my sophomore year, we went to a three-four, so I was kind of the outside backer, uh, the the guy that was the rush backer as opposed to the drop backer. And then I vacillated between that and and back linebacker and all those different things. And so uh, there there was a lot of of, of uh, you know, transition in my in my time at the University of Notre Dame. And I loved every second of it. I always wanted to be a team first guy. And whatever the team needed me to do, I was more than willing to do. And, and we enjoyed a lot of success because not only myself, but a lot of guys on our team all had the same mentality that we just wanted to win and we wanted to play for championships. And and so, uh, unfortunately, we came close in my freshman year and, and we were voted out. But, you know, that's a story for another day. But uh, I just my time was was one of of lots of great memories, had a lot of great teammates, and, and had a lot of awesome moments on the football field.
1: Yeah, well, and, and Bertrand, we have we have a bunch of Notre Dame fans because we have a great channel with a lot of people that have been Notre Dame fans, diehards. They're they're already talking about 1993 and how you guys were robbed. But again, you, like you said, it's another conversation for a completely different day. Yeah. Yeah. It's water on the bridge. We we can't, we can't stay on it forever. It's it's about the next championship, right? That'll hopefully be coming very soon. So you're a Texas guy originally though. So you come from Texas all the way up to South bend, I guess. Talk to me about your first conversations with Notre Dame. Like when you first started talking to them, was it like a cultural shock to a degree? Like I know Notre Dame was like a big brand as it always has been even back then. Right. I mean, they were in the golden era of Notre Dame football. But just kind of your initial conversations with Notre Dame from the recruiting side. And was it a bit of a culture shock to go from Texas all the way up to South Bend, Indiana?
3: Most definitely it was. And i give you a funny story. The first time I got on the plane to go and visit Notre Dame was in January. I thought I was going to California. I didn't even know where Notre Dame was. I just know, I just knew that they had played Texas AM and m in the Cotton Bowl the year before. And, and AM and undefeated. Big Texas guy. I was really big on a That was one of my teams talk about teams that I was interested in and they were undefeated and, and they felt like it was kind of a letdown to play Notre Dame in that Cotton Bowl. And once I saw Notre Dame with the physicality and the way that they manhandled Texas a it really changed my perspective. Like, wow, okay, I thought this was one of the best teams in the country and they just got manhandled on each side of the ball, offense and special teams. So I need to give them a try and I need to give them a look. And so uh, Ron Cooper at the time was the a recruiting coordinator for the, my side of the country as far as, you know, in the South. And so I spent a lot of time talking to him, of course, T yellow, uh, you know, Yelovich was, was the, uh, the recruiting coordinator over all of it. And so I spent some time with him, but for me, it was a little bit of coach side because I, I thought I was in California when I got off the plane, I'm looking down and I see no streets. I see just snow because this is January. And I'm like, oh, my God, where in the world am I? And so uh, I didn't bring a jacket on my recruiting visit. So there, there were a lot of issues maybe working against me coming to Notre Dame. But once I got there, all the, the guys that I saw were very accommodating. One guy even let me borrow his jacket so I didn't freeze to death. And so once I had that experience with the guys that were already there that and they didn't know me from Adam, it, it made me really – give a deep thought to what are the possibilities of playing here with these guys even though it's cold I still had a great time and it still felt like somewhere I could be
1: and who who were who were some of the other schools Bertrand that were like heavy on you like I I had to think the Texas schools were a little upset you know you got out of the state of Texas but like who were some other schools that maybe attracted you at that time
3: so I took four visits. I took one to Texas A&M. That was the one that I was really heavy on. But it was so close to home, I needed to get away from the house because I was kind of a mama's boy. And I needed to learn grow up. Uh, there was a school that I had interest in, but I didn't take a visit because after my Notre Dame visit, I stopped taking visits. So I went to Oklahoma, I went to Penn State, I went to Notre Dame, and, and uh, you know, obviously uh, Texas A&M. So those were the four schools that were uh, the most – attractive to me and one story about my signing day i had both letters of intent from penn State, and notre dame on my dresser and i said whichever one i dreamt about that was going to be the one that i signed with because at the time penn state was known as linebacker u that's what i thought i was going to play and notre dame obviously had the history and the tradition and all those things and i just felt like i couldn't go wrong coach holtz and coach paterno had come to my school back-to-back days and and recruited me so uh Things were looking good at the time, and and I just didn't feel like I can make a wrong answer. I dreamt gold, and the rest is history.
4: Ryan, did you hear what he said? He said Coach Holtz and Coach Paterno came to my school back to back days. I, Sean, that's what I was like, about to say, man.
1: That's like, and I
4: think that's kind of been lost. Like when you have the, those moments, like when I was in high school, I only played basketball, Bertrand, and you know, we would be in the locker room or we would be in the gym and we would see these legendary coaches. I remember when Vivian Stringer walked into the gym and I was like, yo, that's Vivian Stringer. Like, and people were like, "Who is that? I'm like, what do you mean who is that? Like, that's no, no. Vivian Stringer. So I think now with social media, a lot of these recruits don't get the same type of moments that you guys got a chance to get because when a coach like that walks in, the whole school takes notice and the whispers start getting around the building. It's like a monumental moment that you even point to right now. The state of recruiting right now, is that probably the one thing that you wish younger kids had an opportunity to experience? Or is there anything else that you think they're missing out on that would probably be even bigger?
3: I think for today's athletes, the, the recruiting experience is a little different. Social media has really been a game changer for recruiting. Mm-hmm. There's so much more access to young men, and I don't know if it's all positive. I, I don't, I don't know how to to gauge that because uh, you have to be in those young people's shoes. I know for myself, having that much stimulation as far as social media when I was 16, 17 years old, it would have been too much for me. I don't think Mm -hmm. I could have. I don't think I would have handled it very well. And my mother being a teacher, she definitely would have uh, reined me in as far as the exposure that I would have received. And so I remember getting calls uh, at nine o'clock and my mother was like, there will be no calls to this house after nine o'clock. And so if she was like that about phone calls, I can only imagine what she would have been like with DMs and and, and uh, you know, uh, direct messages and, 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 you know, text and all that kind of stuff. So uh, today's athlete has a lot more on their plate to deal with. And I just think sometimes when you hear about these, I'm so blessed to receive the offer from this school and that school, I think people need to realize that that's not necessarily an offer. If you're not given a FedEx package with a pen and some paper, it's not really an offer. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm you know i understand that people want to build their brand and they want to do all these different things and and bring a lot of attention to themselves but i i really wish that they would simplify the recruiting process because it doesn't have to be so many bells and whistles around it if you really are interested in a the kid then tell him that but don't have him put out all these tweets so you know i'm so blessed and i mean you know i can i can quote it verbatim i'm so blessed to receive an offer from this right. school again if you're a sophomore if you're a freshman it's not really an offer. It's I'm so blessed to receive interest from this mm-hmm. school. And I think the verbiage sometimes gets convoluted in, in, in how it's put out there for the masses to
4: see. I think lem- drives- yeah, go ahead, Ryan. No, go, Sean. You're good. No, just to piggyback on that, I think it drives, you know, of course, it drives the business of college football and piques the interest. But it also makes the fan base even more crazed in my opinion, right? Because now they're attached to these kids at an earlier point in their life. You know, I'm here in Chicago. They're talking about sixth grade basketball players. And I'm like, man, relax. So when you talk about that and how things are built up, if and when you do get a chance to talk to young men, specifically maybe in the Texas area, about recruiting and about schools like Notre Dame, what do you tell them? about 17-year-old Bertrand and the man you are today and the difference that Notre Dame makes to a young man if you choose to go there.
3: The one thing Coach Holtz really drove home when I spoke to him is that he said Notre Dame was not a four-year decision. It was a 40-year decision. And when you talk about the opportunities that you will have well past graduation, the, the network that you will have as far as the alumni and, and opportunities for business and, and uh, you know, just relationships afterwards. Uh, he, he spoke about that much more than he spoke about on the field. Yes, when you get on the field, you're, you're going to be able to determine how much you play by how you perform it. And that's going to take care of itself. But the access that you have when you come to a, a Notre Dame, and there are, not, there are lots of other schools. I know, you know, I'm biased towards my alma mater, but, you know, there are a lot of great schools. And, and the funny thing about it is I don't have to go back to Texas. I can stay right here in my house because I have a 16-year-old son who's actually going through the process as we speak. So I have to talk to him that you you don't necessarily make a decision based on today. You make a decision based on what you project your life to be, how you want your life to go in the future. What would you like to become? Where would you like to live? All these type of things. So the recruiting process and taking visits and going to see campuses, I think are a great way to really gauge the type of life that you want to live. Do you want to be in a cold weather environment? Do you want to be where it's sun shining? Do you want to be close to home? All mm. these things really play into it that you don't necessarily think about At 17, because I'll be honest, at 17, all I was thinking about is, am I going to be able to win a national championship and how pretty are the girls? That's (laughs) my thought process. And even with that, you know, it's still those weren't the determining factors because I did have enough foresight to see that. okay, going here, they're going to be much more opportunities post school and post football than there would be maybe some other schools.
1: Bertrand, I, I know you You already talked to you – know, I mean, it sounds like you're a great support system for your son. And you mentioned your mom already, who you said was a teacher. And I can really kind of relate to, to kind of that background because before I was in the sports business for, for good, I was a teacher. I was a middle school teacher. My wife is an elementary school teacher right this second. So I understand how important, especially talking to recruits on a daily basis – how important the support system is at home, especially. Can you talk a little bit about that, how much maybe your mom and just your family in general was so vital in you making a decision and, and wh- how, what you kind of prioritize as what you were looking for in a school?
3: So my mother was a high school teacher. So I had the unfortunate experience of going to high school every single day with my mother. She was a senior teacher of economics and actually had her for a class, which I don't ever recommend for those <laughs> don't know what to call your mom hey mom or mrs Barry. none of that seems right so i don't recommend it but the thing that i will always be grateful for for my mother's perspective is that she allowed me to make the decision because she understood that this was going to be the first real big decision that i was going to have to make as a quote-unquote young adult that was going to really affect my life going forward and yeah, she would have loved for me to have stayed close to home and and been around her and all those type of things. Because for her, me and my brother were her whole world. And I could appreciate that as a father. Now, you want to always have the opportunity to reach out and touch your children. But she trusted me enough to make that decision based on the way I wanted to live my life. And she felt that I was mature enough to make that decision based on how I felt after going to visit these particular campuses. So, I have to give her credit. The fact that she wanted me to stay close to home, but she understood how great of an opportunity Notre Dame was from a graduation standpoint, from a, from an education standpoint, you know, the quality of, of degree that that would be from a Notre Dame, as opposed to maybe some other schools, not to knock other schools, but when you start talking about the quality of education that you get from a Notre Dame, that, that, that says something all its own. So (laughs) even though she would have loved for me to have been closer she understood that it was a great opportunity, whether it was Notre Dame, whether it was Penn State, you know, she she, she got it from a, from an education standpoint. She knew that getting degrees from those schools would take me much further than football potentially ever could. So I don't think that she had any problems. Once she saw my final four, I think she understood that I under, that I understood what the, the magnitude of this decision truly was.
1: Bertrand, I'm going to ask you an unfair question, if you don't mind. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but I think it's a little unfair, okay? I'm going to ask you to pretend that you are a recruit in today's world now, right? Knowing how your experience went, obviously, I mean, me and Sean deal with this on a daily basis talking recruits, right? The NIL just insanity that is happening today, right? It's I have very mixed emotions about it. I've been very forefront about that, right? Like I love players having an opportunity to make make a, a, a profit or – a living off of name, image, and likeness. I think that there is a lot of good at the roots to it, right? But then you're also seeing teams, programs, manipulated, obviously, and just throwing handouts. And that's not what NIL actually is, right? So I guess my question for you is, do you feel like NIL would be would have been a factor in your recruiting today? Or do you feel like your process just would have changed at all with what the landscape of recruiting is today?
3: Oh, most definitely, NIL, NIL would have been a, a, a determined factor. I mean, Listen, I, I didn't come from from uh, great means. I didn't. We, we weren't rich. My mother was a teacher, as I stated. So we we, we live very modestly. Uh, my mother did a great job of, of, of providing for me and my brother. And, and I'll always be forever grateful to my mother. But if I had an opportunity to take some of that pressure off my mother back then, of course, I would have what what child wouldn't have taken that opportunity to help their parents, especially ones they know is struggling, working hard every single day just to put food on the table and clothes on the back. Yeah. I would have done anything I could have to help my mother because I love my mother. And I think it's reciprocated. She would have done anything for me. I would have done anything for her. And so had that part been uh, an issue, as far as where I wanted to go. Yeah. Money would have definitely uh, swayed my opinion because it would have provided something, immediately beneficial to my overall family situation. And I think sometimes people get caught up in the, oh, well, you know, you're you're getting a degree and, and they're paying for your education and that's enough. Well, there is no price limit on my name and my, and my likeness. That to me, however much I can generate for myself, I should be entitled to 100% of that because that's my name. That's my likeness. That's my image. I've had that likeness all my life this particular school hadn't had my image and my name all their life. So why should they get a part of any of that when I'm the one that is, it's my personality that's going out there to sell. It's my name that is being put out there and, and, and Ballyhooed around and about. And so, you know, however much money you can get from image, and likeness, absolutely go for it. Now, when you start talking about getting paid to play, that's something entirely different. But if I have a relationship with, with different, uh, entities around the, the city where my school is and, and they like me and I have enough of a personality. Well, that's more power to me. And if I have a teammate that's a funny guy and also makes a lot of plays on Saturdays and he has an opportunity to make more money than the rest of us, how can I be mad at that? That's, that's yeah. him, and his situation. He's doing his thing. So to think that it's going to be fair, when you talk about money, nothing is ever going to be fair. Mm-hmm. And, and you're never going to have, a blanket uh, situation across the board where everybody's going to get the same thing. That's never going to, it doesn't happen in the real world. It doesn't happen past college. So why would you think that it would happen in that situation?
4: Yeah. As you move forward, is there a perfect marriage for a unique situation such as Notre Dame and the NIL space where you can find the present and the future of the four for 40 you talked about, and Notre Dame being able to be effective in the NIL space as it moves forward. Because a lot of fans feel like Notre Dame is lacking, they're behind. But as things evolve, and I think Jack Swarbrick, you know, kind of has taken the standpoint or the point of view, I'm going to relax and let the market set itself or see how things settle. And then once all the Wild West is gone and we kind of get down to the nitty-gritty then Notre Dame will see how we attack this thing. Do you think that's a smart way for him and the the university to approach this thing?
3: I don't think he really has a choice because if you look at how big of a brand Notre Dame is, Notre Dame is not just South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame, Indiana, or Notre Dame University goes across the globe. You could go anywhere in the world and you can find a Notre Dame And I know that sounds a little pretentious to say, but I've actually seen it. And I've seen Notre Dame in different parts of the world even where football isn't really played so yeah. when you start talking about business opportunities certain brands are going to be bigger than others that's just there's nothing you can do about that i think for for jack he's done a great job thus far in my opinion of really allowing the, the individuals to kind of take that on themselves and see what they can get hey if you can go get it more power to you uh and know that there's going to be a ton of opportunities for a big-time Notre Dame player. If, if you're a Michael Mayer, my God, I mean, mm-hmm. the of opportunities that will be thrown that young man's way, I can't even begin to think about or imagine. And if you're a quarterback at the University of Notre Dame, the prestige that that title holds and, and the people that will want to be associated with you as the starting quarterback at the University of Notre Dame, man, listen, the sky is the limit. I think that other players are going to have to get their hustle on, but what area of life is that not the case? Some yeah. guys have to hustle harder than others. That's, that's just the way it is. And so right. if you're going to be able to police it and, and make it streamline or, or equal across the board, there's no way. There's no way that that's going to happen and the sooner the players and the people associated around the program start to really embrace that and, and really uh, understand that that's a fact then i think everybody will be much better off
4: so who was the um og that grabbed bertrand barry by his neck collar when he walked in as a freshman and said yo you come with me i'm gonna show you what notre dame is all about
3: the one guy that i follow to this day is my big brother and i will always have love for him is Bryant young brian young freshman year and all I had to do was watch him. He didn't have to say much. He, he wasn't a big speaker. He didn't say a whole lot. I just watched the way that he went about his business on and off the field. You talk about class personified. You talk about a leader in every aspect of the word. Um, we just celebrated going into the Hall of Fame uh, about a few months ago. And I couldn't be happier for an individual because the things that he taught me by not even speaking, just by being who he was, he taught mm-hmm. me. About how to be a professional how to be a leader and and how to be the best version of yourself you don't always have to be a rah-rah guy to be a leader you don't always have to be the best player but when you do the things the right way and you are the best player and you do lead by example, that's special that's rare you don't find that very often and for me brian young will always be one of my favorite teammates of all time
1: yeah and, i mean obviously you play you played with a lot of great players, obviously, during your time. Bertrand, I know when we talk about the allure of Notre Dame, a lot of what people talk about and recruits talk about is the alumni network, obviously, right? And you're talking about a lifelong friendship that you created during your time at Notre Dame. How real is this, man? Because I know some people will probably be like, oh, is it really legit? How legit is it? How have you been able to take it? I don't want to say take advantage, but to, to – you know, get positive feedback as far as your relationships with players, your relationship with people on campus, other students, like how much is that alumni relationship aspect of everything? How real is that?
3: So there's a, a, a text, a group text that I'm on right now of about 26, 27 of us, including myself. We speak every week, every single week. And I can tell you that I have relationships with all 26 of those guys in some capacity. Some guys I only speak with through that tech, but I've had conversations with them. And at some point I've seen them since I've moved on from the University of Notre Dame. And I'm speaking to you today. That shows you the reach of, of from the university of Notre Dame. I, I haven't played for you for Notre Dame in 26 years. So back yep. <laughs> fact, that I'm here in 2022 talking to you today. I'm just meeting you for the first time that shows you how big of a reach the alumni is. It's really combined with social media and and all of the ways that you can communicate with people. Now they said that once upon a time, it was six degrees of separation. I believe that it's about two now. And Mm -hmm. you can be two steps from anybody in the world. If you really want. And the fact that I've been able to stay in touch with some great people from school, people, from school in in ways that I would have never been able to uh, other than social media or, 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 you know, phones and all this type of thing, then it it just, it's incredible to think how vast my, my, uh, my, my, uh, my Rolodex is as far Mm -hmm. as, you know, numbers that I have in my phone and the ability to reach out to different people in different pockets that don't necessarily have anything to do with no football in and of itself, just being from the university and having that reach. uh, I I feel tremendously blessed to have uh, acquired such a a vast group of people that uh, that I can reach out to
4: at any time. Is there any game in particular for you guys? Because you guys didn't have the Shamrock series. Is there any particular game for you guys that felt like a Shamrock series type of thing where you played on a neutral field? or you traveled, maybe, did you guys get a chance to travel out to Hawaii?
3: Well, remember, I was the first, in 96, we were the first to go to Ireland when we played Navy, and so we were able to go out there, and unfortunately, in Dublin, they were in the middle of a uh, a, a war, civil war. Civil war, yeah. Really tour and see a lot of Dublin, you know, we had to kind of keep it moving on the buses, like, we drove past a lot of historic places and, and we didn't get to go out and actually see it and all those type of things, yeah. which is, but man, when I tell you it was a great experience and, and being able to see another culture, another part of the world that I would have never been able to had it not been for Notre Dame, uh, that, that was a blessing in and of itself. And back then, a lot of the games felt like Shamrock series because you always get everybody's best effort everybody's always circling your, your game on their calendar because they know that, one, it's going to be on TV. Two, you're going to be playing a, a team that was nationally ranked, probably in the top 10. And so th- it was always a lot of attention around the games. And, and I loved it. I always loved playing in big moments and, and having to get up. There was no real homecoming game for us. Even the academy played them. They gave us everything that they wanted, and, and, and a couple of times they they came close. and Air Force actually got me my senior year. Wow,
1: wow. Well, I, Bertrand, I'll say this. We're very blessed to have you, and we have a great channel here, like I said, a lot of great fans in the chat. So I wanted to open this up the last couple of minutes that we have you here. Some fans throwing some questions for you, man. So it's going to be directly from the fans of Irish Breakdown. And uh, first question is from Irish Blooded, who wants to know, what was your favorite moment in Notre Dame Stadium? I think this is a great segue with basically what we were just talking about here.
3: 1993, November 13th, we played Florida State, and uh, quote unquote. Mm. I remember the entire week before that game. You know, usually when you have a game week at home, it starts to become crowded on campus around Thursday. People start Thursday and and kind of milling around and you know it's a little inconvenient to get the classes and stuff like that. Obviously the, the campus has expanded since my time there. So it was a little more intimate. It was a little, a little smaller, a little more closed in, but I remember that week, it was wall to wall people from Monday to Saturday. And you could not, if you had, if you had to go to class, if you tried to go to class, which I actually did, you know, son of a teacher, I actually tried to go to class. Um, <laughs> It, you had to leave at least 10, 15 minutes earlier than what you did because there were that many people on campus. And I remember the, the game itself. And, and when Sean Wooden knocked that ball down and we realized that we had won the game and they lit up Flanner Hall with the number one on top of it, uh, those special moments because that was something that, that you always work for. That's what you went to Notre Dame for, to have that moment where you could say, man, we're the actually best in the country right now.
1: Love it. I love it. So we had a question from Lucas Dezen, who said, Canadian over here, Bertrand, what was your experience with the CFL in Canada? I know you only played a few games, but I'm always curious about how former Notre Dame athletes reflect on their time up in Canada.
3: So my time in Canada, unfortunately, it wasn't a great experience, but I will say I I enjoyed my teammates. Uh, At the time, I was in between teams in the NFL and I wanted to keep my film up. I wanted to stay relevant and, and, and get some work in. So I decided to go to Canada and, and play in, I believe that was 2000 uh, with Edmonton and I had a opportunity to, to play two games there. And, and, uh, my only experience of seeing Montreal was, was through the CFL. And so um, unfortunately it didn't end the way that I would have liked it to. And, and, you know, there were some things contractually that that kind of got sideways, but uh the 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 place itself was beautiful i mean it was a little cold for my liking but it was beautiful and and the people were very very nice and and i don't have anything negative to say about edmonton or you know edmonton alberta or canada or anything like that the the business side of it was something a little different but the people in the city i mean they 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 treated me very very well for my brief time there
1: We had another question. This was from Matt Lee. Said, "Hey Bertrand, what was it like being part of two great rival rivalry series like Michigan and top rival USC?" Bertrand, this is an interesting question that I definitely wanted to pull up because. I mean, Notre Dame doesn't really play Michigan anymore, right? Like it's been, it's been a kind of a, a foregone rivalry. And I mean, these are two of the, the, the rivalries that I grew up with most like dearest to my heart kind of thing. So can you just talk about, I guess, a couple of the great rivalries that you all had uh, that Notre Dame's had historically against Michigan and USC,
3: Michigan and USC to this day, I hate both those schools. Uh, but the funny thing is I have so many friends from both of those schools and my teammate, from my, friend, my rookie year in, in the NFL was the now head coach at the University of Michigan. So uh, he was my quarterback. You know, that was my teammate. That's my quarterback in the words of T.O. Um, so a lot of mixed emotions. And, of course, Florida State, you got to throw them in there because we played them three straight years and obviously had some great battles uh, with them and, and Coach Bowden and, and, and the players. But the USC was something different because there was so much – Around it, like the whole week leading up to it, we we had to hear that fight song, that fight on from USC, and and Coach Holtz was a master motivator. He knew that if he pl- he played it every minute of every practice from the start of the week till game day, and by the time we got to game day, we were so sick of that damn song. I every time I heard it, I wanted to go kill somebody, now, it, metaphorically speaking, obviously, but you know it, it was so much hype built around it. And and I remember the coaches having to come down and and give certain uh, facts about the rivalry as far as Southern Cal is concerned. And so I knew a lot about it going in. And I remember my freshman year just thinking, man, there's a lot of history here. Like I'm even having to learn at football. Like this is crazy. Like I thought schoolwork was just for, for classes, but coach hopes did a great job of really giving us the history of the game and, and letting us understand the magnitude of it. And, and, Michigan was one of those, because we were so close in proximity, we didn't really have to go very far to play them. And, um, I'll just say this it's is one of my son's favorite schools. And I'm, I'm trying to get him to change currently because, uh, that, that's something that, uh, really bothers me. But, yeah, uh, he asked me, if I ever went there, would I ever wear the maize and blue? And I almost threw up. My mouth. So, uh, there's there's always going to be that rivalry it was a great game or great games between myself and, and those schools. And, and those are memories that the guys that I'm friends with from those schools, we talk about all the time, lovingly, of course, now. But uh, back then, it, it was a lot of pride in what school you chose to go to.
1: It's my favorite part of college football too, man. Those rivalries, like they just get you up, you know, no matter, matter how good a team is, no matter how bad a team is like those, you just get up for those rivalry games, man, which is just always fun, which surprised me why uh, Oklahoma got killed so badly against uh, Texas this past weekend, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, Moving on to the next question. Uh, I think this is a really cool one too, Bertrand, because Irish for Life asks he wants to know what you're kind of doing today. So, Bertrand, what degree did you get while you were at Notre Dame? What do you do today? Have you used your degree in your career?
3: So, my degree was in communications and theater, and what I currently do, uh, if you can see my logo right here, uh, you know, I own a business of training defensive linemen one on one, and it's called Train Station, which is a play on my nickname, B Train. And uh, I've been able to send about 15 guys to college thus far on scholarships and, and extremely proud of each of those guys and working with high school kids here currently uh, in the Valley. It's, it's, it's awesome. And and working with some pro guys as well. So uh, I do radio and I've done radio for years and, and that was using my degree. When I got to Denver, I got an opportunity to host a radio show for, uh, Mark Slarek. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Stink was a guy that was uh, uh, a former Bronco and a fellow alum like myself when I played in Denver, and he gave me the opportunity to to fill in his show while he would go to ESPN's campus out in Bristol, and so I was able to really start there with with radio, and I just fell in love with it. And when I got to Arizona, I did a show while I played, and then. Uh, Afterwards, I had my own show for about five years, and, and now I still do work with the Cardinals. Uh, to, even yesterday, uh, I do pregame and postgame radio for the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm constantly using my degree. It's something that I was very serious about. I thought I was going to be a lawyer when I first got to school, but it it really transitioned into uh, talking into a mic as opposed to talking into a group of 12. So. Uh, I, I was still able to to use that gift to gab, but I channeled it in a different way.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready
3: to
2: go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City,
3: go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
4: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
3: Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com.
2: That's BlueNile.com.
1: So we're going to move on. Only a couple more questions for you, Bertrand. Really appreciate your time again. So, Lucas Desen, who was asking about your CFL experience. Also wanted to add in another one, if you don't mind. What's your take on Isaiah Foskey? A little contrast and comparison, if you can. Do you see similarities in your game? So, obviously, you played more off-ball, hybrid. You played on the line a little bit. Isaiah Foskey's kind of that true hand in the dirt. I mean, he plays some drop at times. But can you compare yourself to Isaiah Foskey with how he plays today? Is there any similarities you feel like in your game?
3: Well, there's definitely similarities. I mean, he's a guy that uses his speed and quickness and – I would have loved to have have been in his position and and put my hand in the ground and and do that on a more consistent basis. My senior year, I was able to do that, and I was able to have a pretty good year, 10 sacks and a few tackles and whatnot. And so I think for him, the fact that he's getting coached the way that he's getting coached now, I think that benefits him in the long term. And I think for myself, the thing that I wish I would have done earlier in my career was embrace putting my hand in the ground back in the early nineties, the, the the Vogue positions were were linebacker because those were the guys that were considered to athletes. So I wanted to be one of the best athletes as well as best football players on the field. So I always thought that meant playing behind the line of scrimmage. Well, getting to the NFL and seeing some of the salaries that the guys with the hands on the ground, it changed your mind pretty quick. And for me, I found that that was my skill set going forward was a lot better than for me going backwards and I think for Foski he's doing a terrific job of using his skill set. I think when you have a a player that that is used properly and, and is allowed to do what he really does best, that's when you really get the most out of that particular individual and I think for him he's being used in that capacity uh, to his advantage, and I think he's going to have a, a great career, the rest of his career at Notre Dame, and I think he's got a great shot at playing on Sundays.
1: Absolutely, and Bertrand. I, I probably should ask you this one earlier. With you being a high school running back, and then try, you know figuring out the transition to defense when you got to Notre Dame, what what was kind of the size coming into college? And because I think in, at least I saw on Pro Football Reference you were listed at, with Arizona at like two fifty five ish. So I was just curious about the maturation of your just physical development.
3: So when I was in high school, I was about 2'10", and I wasn't the biggest guy. Like I said, I was a running back, so I was predicated on speed and power. And being a track athlete, I I liken myself as a pretty good all-around athlete, played basketball as well. That's another thing, too, for these guys that are thinking about going to the next level. Develop other skills. Don't just be a football player because you can use those other skills that you develop in other sports to help you on the football field I wouldn't be the player that I was had it not been for basketball and track so being one sport it, it's okay but it's better when you develop other muscle groups and other skill sets because then those translate very well to uh playing and, and you know at the sport that you choose and I think for me it was uh something that I really enjoyed and, and making that transition was I knew I had to put on weight. So my freshman year, I put on at least 10, 15 pounds just mm-hmm. by having a different workout regimen, having a a, a different eating regimen, uh, you know, in college, you know, that that's where you find your most growth because everything changes when you're in high school. You just kind of you, you eat what's there. But now there's a very specific type of, of diet that you're able that you're afforded. When you're on campus and, and of course with Notre Dame, they, they didn't spare any expense. We always were treated with the best of everything. And so uh, I was very fortunate to to take advantage, but yet not overindulge in some of the things. And so I felt like it was a, they always talk about the freshman 15 or the freshman 10. I had a healthy freshman ten <laughs> to, to maintain a little bit of a figure, if you will, and uh, still go out there and try to play at a very high level on the field.
1: We had Irish for Life that asked, Bertrand, is your son being recruited by Notre Dame? What class is he? Who is he interested in at this point? I know you talked a little bit about your son's son's college decision process.
3: So my son just made the transition to defensive line working with me. He fought me for years, and uh, he got his first letter from the University of Utah. And no, he's not being currently recruited by Notre Dame. Uh, I would love for him to be recruited by Notre Dame, but I don't know if he wants that pressure. And I, as a, as a father, I understand that. I understand that he doesn't want to have to try to live up to what I did at school. He wants to have his own identity, which is why he didn't play defensive line uh, his first two years, uh, you know, playing football in high school. So um, he's making the trip. He's doing very well. I'm proud of him. I can't wait to see him on the field Sunday or Sunday on Friday. And, uh, I, I really hope that he's good enough to, to be recruited by him. I think he's a tremendous athlete. He's a better athlete than I was at this stage in his career. And now it's just a matter of honing it and making sure that he's making enough plays to where he can grab the attention of some of the bigger schools like a Notre Dame, like a Michigan, like a USC and all those other schools.
1: You, you're just skipping a few years until he's playing on Sunday. So I like it, man. I love it. We had uh, –
3: you got to put it out there. Put it out there in the ether so it comes to
1: fruition. Speak it. Speak it till it happens, man. I love it. Absolutely. Irish Mojo 25 said, who would you say was the biggest rival you faced when you were at Notre Dame? I, Bertrand, I'm going to take this from a different perspective. Obviously, we talked about rivalries of teams. Was there a player that was maybe a big rival of yours or maybe one of the better players you played against? Like any names like that?
3: Orlando Pace. Love it. State. Orlando Pace. We not only got it on in college, we got it on in the NFL. We were in the same division when I was with the Cardinals. He was with the Rams. And uh, he was Hall of Famer, number one overall pick. Tremendous amount of respect for Orlando. We were actually briefly teammates. I had spent a camp with the St. Louis Rams when they were in St. Louis, and right after they won the Super Bowl. And so lots of memories with Orlando. We played against each other twice in my college career. And I don't even know how many times in the NFL, but, uh, he was a guy, he was good right out of the gate. There was no question Orlando was going to be a a big time player on Sundays by what he did at Ohio state. And and of course he was one of the first to, uh, have the phrase pancakes, you know, taking, you know, guys and, and flattening them on, on the field. And, uh, I got to say, he didn't, I think he got me one time in college, but I was bound and determined not to be that guy. And um, he, he was a, a great player. Uh, he's a good friend. Uh, we haven't spoken in a while, but you know, if I were to see him, you know, we would definitely laugh it up and joke it up. We actually took a picture together at the pro bowl, me, him, and uh, Walter Jones, because we were all nice. in the and. And I'm thinking to myself, I got to see these guys four times a year. Like they're making it hard for me to get back to the Pro Bowl. So I said, let me make sure I take a picture with, with these two guys because I know they'll be in the Hall of Fame. And, and these are the guys that are trying to prevent me from getting to Canton, Ohio. So, you know, it's, it's all respect. There's all love. We, we love to compete against each other. But when it's all said and done, uh, if they ever needed anything, they could call on me and vice versa.
1: I. Uh, yeah. uh, hey, uh- as, as a lifelong Rams fan, that's why I watched you so much growing up. Orlando Pace was one of my favorite players of all time. Walter Jones, man, you, got, man, you played in a great era of tackles, man. Jonathan Ogden was in that era. It was a fantastic, fantastic era of football. The Chiefs had a couple of great offensive linemen as well, too, at that point. So, last question for you, Bertrand. Really appreciate the time again. Will E. wants to know, who's your favorite Notre Dame quarterback of all time? Favorite Notre Dame quarterback? Can, can it? Can a defensive end like a quarterback? I guess is the first question we should ask. <laughs> well,
3: I can like my own quarterbacks, yeah. Because True. I don't have. So if I if I had to say favorite Notre Dame quarterback, uh, I mean, my gosh! I you know the funny thing is I played with Jarius at college and in pros, Jarius Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were teammates both at Notre Dame and in Denver. Uh, Ron Paulus was my classmate, so. Of course, he's one of my favorites for obvious reasons, still involved with the University of Notre Dame. Yep. The one guy that when I think of Notre Dame and 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 just cool as the other side of the pillow, you got to go Joe Montana. It, it's, yep. it, I mean, I had the opportunity to rub elbows with him a few times and he's just as cool in person as you think he is. Uh, you know, you think about the, the persona of, of Joe Montana from his days at San Fran and obviously winning the championship at, at, at school, but just a, a, a very cool man and a, uh, a great man. And for him to embrace me the way that he did just on the strength of us being fellow alum, that, that meant the world to me. And, and um, I will always remember our conversations and, being a fan of, of, of his and how the San Francisco 49ers played back in the day. I didn't, I didn't obviously watch when he was at school. I don't think I was alive yet, but you know, we'll, we'll save that for it. But uh, you know, he, he was definitely one of my favorite quarterbacks as far as the, the total package as, as player on the field and a cool guy off the field.
4: Ryan Bertram mentioned like the usual suspects, But that 93 season was so special, and I think one of the reasons it was so special was the ascension of a guy named Kevin McDougal. Like, he just, it was like all of a sudden, it's like, okay, where did this kid come from? He wins the quarterback battle in camp, and then the way he played during that season, like, what was so special about him? Because most people, when they talk Notre Dame quarterbacks, don't even mention him, but he had a great season. In '93, that was able to help that offense and propel you guys to the record you had.
3: Yeah, K Mac. Um, I really, I, I honestly forgot K Mac. Um, K Mac at the time was a team favorite. Players
0: mm. on
3: the Arizona team respected him, and they rooted for him. Coach Holtz had Ron Paulus, who was the number one recruit in high school at the time, coming out of Pennsylvania, Berwick, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. And he's my classmate. But at the same time, the upperclassmen and, and guys that had been on the team understood what KMac had to go through in order to get that position because he had given the job to Ron Paulus. And had it not been for that, that unfortunate uh, snapping of his shoulder, uh, you know, Ron Paulus would have been the quarterback that year. And so the players, we were upset that Ron got hurt. But at the same time, we knew that, that K-Mac was going to do something special because of the way that he had to put in his time. He paid his dues. He waited behind Rick Meyer. And, and uh, he finally got an opportunity to play. And and it didn't start off great. You know, that game <laughs> against Northwestern didn't start off great 93. But – he caught fire against Michigan that second game. And, and from then on, he never looked back and it, it was one of those special years. I, I I would have loved for him to have gotten the opportunity to have a fifth year, but it was clear that Ron Paulus was the, the quarterback in waiting. And, um, but he was special, man. He, he set a lot of records in that one year and, and we don't have the record that we had without K-Mac. Well,
4: was late, think- one more question. Was late? Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> Was Lake Dawson's mouth as big as it looked on TV?
3: (laughs) Duloc was my, Duloc was one of my favorite. We called him Duloc because, you know, Notre Dame Duloc, you know, and his name was Lake. Uh, We, (laughs) Lake was one of the best conditioned athletes of all time. And his smile was as big as the University of Notre Dame. I mean, it wasn't big, but, I mean, he had these white, pearly teeth, man, and and, and this great smile. He was a handsome dude, and we all lo- we all love Lake. Lake was one of those guys, like, he looked right off of a movie set, you know what I mean, because he had that, that, that larger-than-life smile. Uh, he always was in a great mood, and uh, he was another one of those seniors that I looked up to. That whole senior class, man, you, know, you had Jeff Burris, Aaron Taylor, Tim Ruddy, wow. you know, on and on of great players. Uh, that were guys that i you know i was able to, to to play alongside like i can't believe i'm in the huddle with these guys jim flanagan oliver gibson you know brian hampton i mean there was so many guys but but lake was that guy he brought that he brought that flag that that flare that drip if you will that they how they say it nowadays to notre dame and, and uh he was always uniform always on point you know he always, out to the side, and and once he made a play, he was gonna let you know he made a play. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bertrand, I, all right, man, we played together in Indianapolis too. That's my brother.
1: Yeah. uh, uh I'd love it, and Bertrand. I feel so bad because I was only gonna keep me for half an hour, but this was just such a phenomenal interview. I was like, okay, we're just gonna keep going until he until he uh, tells us he has to leave. I guess so. Really appreciate you taking the time again and going again. Joined by Bertrand Barry, Notre Dame great, twelve year NFL veteran pro bowler for the Arizona Cardinals birch I just want to give you the opportunity kind of last day, Shout outs to Notre Dame fans. Where can they follow you? What can they, what have you been up to all that good stuff? Just give you a minute to plug.
3: So you can follow me on Twitter at B train 92. That's the easiest one. I also have a, a account for my, my business at train station one, uh, Instagram is train station one as well. And, uh, you know, i I mean, that's, that's about it. You know what I mean? Like other than my phone number, you know, that's, <laughs> <I've been blocking. laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm usually one if, if people reach out on Twitter or, or IG, I try to respond. Um, I, I, I never try to uh, big time people or, or think I'm too good to, to respond. I mean, it takes two seconds to respond to somebody. If they've taken the time to to want to reach out and communicate and it's within reason, I mean, you know, hey, if you got something to say, hey, holler at me. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll chop it up for a minute.
1: I love it, brother. Love it. Again, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today, man. This was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, genuinely.
3: <laughs> appreciate it. Go Irish.
0: Go, Go Irish. Irish.
1: Great way to end it, Sean. Go Irish. Man, that yeah. was a great, great conversation, man. I knew you had to sneak in the one about Lake Dawson there at the end, man. I knew Dude, had Lake the was, Look,
4: Lake was pure entertainment. I don't know if people <laughs> don't remember watching Notre Dame game. He's right. Anytime Lake caught a pass, everyone in the stadium knew it was him that caught the pass. There was no mistaking it. Great interview. Uh, great to see, uh, especially on this weekend with the Shamrock Series where the alumni was so, so evident. Yes. You know, that was one of the things that I can point out. We never really have a problem with uh, getting in contact with recruits mm-hmm. uh, during their visits or when they come to a game day. Yo, my guys that I talk to constantly were hitting me with emojis, Ryan. <laughs> and that's when I knew, like, okay, this weekend is different. Yes. Right? I'm not getting, like, full sentences or a paragraph back. I'm getting, like, an the, the, the,
1: emoji. The, the, star, the star eye emoji, the fire <laughs> exactly. emoji. Exactly.
4: It's like – Okay, you know what? You're right. I'm I'm tweaking. You're 17, you're in Vegas. You know, you're taking pictures, you're superstars. All of the I mean, fans recognize you, which is fantastic for them yes. to experience being readily recognized by the Notre Dame fan base, taking pictures, you know, hobnobbing if you would with Notre Dame players of the past and access to everything in Allegiant Stadium, top-notch Fantastic weekend, and thank you to top it off. This was great. When you texted me and told me we were having B train on, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is what's up. This is man. what's up."
1: Yeah, man. He uh, again. I- I'm a Rams fan, so I grew up. Sean. He was just a terror man <laughs> for the Cardinals. Like he just <laughs> messed this up, man. It was just. Because he mentioned Orlando Pace, man, but he gave everyone everything they needed to handle. Again, I think in 2004, I think that was his best season. He went, yeah. went to the Cardinals. I think he had 14 and a half sacks. He was on the mm-hmm. Super Bowl team at Ra- right. when they went up to Raymond J- down to Raymond James Stadium and they lost yeah. to the Steelers. But it was a really, I mean, he was a really good football player, man, just really good. So, want to thank again Bertrand Barry for joining us today. I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Right? Yeah. Again. I, we wanted to keep him for half an hour. I kept him for fifty something minutes. Like it's just, <laughs> it was a great conversation. We're going to move on to a little more recruiting talk. Great to get his perspective on recruiting, by the way, and kind of comparing and contrasting it a little bit to what recruiting is today. But before we get on to the next segment, if you could like, share, subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, five star ratings are very much appreciated. If you want to give us a zero star, then just don't leave it. You know, like just, just. Go away. Don't do that, all right? And make sure to go follow, follow Bertrand Berry on all his social media accounts. Btrain25, uh, excuse me, on Twitter is sure. where I follow him. And he followed me back, Sean. It was so cool.
0: So cool. <laughs>